You're listening to the Modern Web Podcast. For more podcasts, videos, and events, find us online at modern-web.org or follow us on Twitter at modern.web. That's M-O-D-E-R-N-D-O-T-W-E-B. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Modern Web Podcast. I am your host, Jesse Tomshock, software architect at This Dot. Uh, Modern Web is brought to you by my employer, uh, this.co. We are a consultancy. We do staff augmentation, uh, training. Uh, we'll build any anything you need, front end or back end, JavaScript, top to bottom. Uh, give us a ring. Uh, we're also hiring. You can reach out to us at this.co. Today, we have a very, very special guest. Um, Tanner Lindsay is in the house. Hello, Tanner. How are you? Hello. Good to be Hello. here. Hello. Now, our audience, I'm going to guess... Everybody should know Tanner Lindsay, uh, but for people who are like, mm, maybe not totally paying attention uh, or not, maybe just don't have the time to like stay up to date. Cause honestly, it's a fire hose of news and information and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a full-time job, right? There, there's people like me that spend all day keeping up and then there's other people <laughs> that are actually doing work. So for those people who have actually been doing the work, uh, Tanner, what uh, what have you been up to for the last couple of months and sort of what do you do in, in the JS ecosystem? Well, uh, a couple of years ago, I started a few open source libraries, um, React Table and React Query. Um, they got pretty popular. React Query really kind of took off. Um, over the last year or two, we've turned it agnostic, so it works with any framework. Um, and that's been going really well for the last year and a half. I've been working hard on a new router, uh, a new type safe router. Um, originally it was meant to be kind of an agnostic router, uh, which is kind of an oxymoron a little bit that I'm learning. Uh, so now we're just, we're back to focusing just on react. So I have this type safe react router now. Um, that's most of what I've been working on. And then, uh, just very recently been dipping my toes into meta framework or maybe even meta meta framework land <laughs> meta so. meta framework. Yeah. I feel like the ecosystem is, is building on top of itself or devouring itself in meta layers of frameworks, which, which I have really come to enjoy. Like I've always thought of react as a primitive, not to be taken verbatim or in a vanilla stack. It's like, you don't like you're going to end up doing a lot of work with import like npm react yourself like you need routing yeah. you need state like there's that is literally just a cornerstone like a little tiny cornerstone of the other things and right. you've built all these other tools so what is what is this meta meta that you've started to explore is this come off of your work from router or the need or a little bit it's a little bit of everything you know, I've stayed away from it because the tools that I've had have been really good. Like I used Next for a really long time and Next is great. Uh, I even serve Tanstack.com off of Remix right now and it's fantastic. Um, but most of, my, most of my development work spawns from building my startup application. Uh, I guess, can't, when do you stop calling a company a startup? I don't know. But uh, I think either <laughs> when you hit the NASDAQ, you ring the bell or... <laughs> You don't know everybody in the company. I think at that point. Right. Like, so I guess we're still a startup. We've been yeah. going for like nine years, eight or nine years. And it's, it's a SaaS product. So we, um, we essentially, we, we reverse engineer Google search rankings into big data. 
Oh, interesting. Yeah, and then provide that back to whoever cares about it, which is usually like enterprise SEO teams and people who care about rank tracking in Google. So anyways, that's that's the uh, SaaS product that we have. And so a lot of what I build is to solve problems with with what we encounter there. Is that so where one of those, React Table started as a as is, solving? Yeah. Okay. All right, React table right. and React query. We've I'm got like putting the picture together and... in my head where like you've got these tables, this data ranking, this big data, and you're like, oh, I need some tables. So React table. And then I yeah. need some better query and caching. So React query. Like these. Oh, exactly. Okay. Now I'm starting to see this, this like progression. Yeah. There's a small charting library I wrote that's React only. There's a virtualization library that I wrote, a headless virtualization the, library. Yep. I've used that for those big long lists. That's been super helpful. Yep. Yeah. And then uh, the router recently is because we, I mean, most of our users' navigation is inside of the router, uh, obviously inside of the router, but I mean inside of the dashboards that we have. Mm -hmm. And those are like, the dashboards like miniature apps that you're moving around from app to app. To app. So yeah, there's a lot, a lot of nested of, routing, right? Like Yeah, and there's selective. a lot of state involved. Uh, and sometimes, like when you're moving from dashboard to dashboard, you're carrying some of the state with you and some of it you're leaving behind. And, it can get really complex. So that's kind of what spawned the type safety around the router thing is I needed all of my routes to be very strict on like what search params does it support? Uh, what are the path params like? When you're navigating from one route to another, it needs to have this very strict con contract of like where you're coming from and where you're going to and what data you have access to to make that transition correctly. So that that's really what spawned a lot of the work yeah with the router for the doing. dashboard stuff does this one of the things with routing that i've run into and in, in sort of carrying over state and parameters and queries is to, to take a canonical url and drop back into and populate that state is that part of going from dashboard to dashboard because like a lot of yeah. web apps that i'm on like i want to be like here go here like you want to be but you can't get there without all the two or three steps before that, without the selections, without the the filtering, without the, you know, e-commerce has a lot of this where it's like, look, show me kids shoes, size four in blue. And like send right. that to, you know, uh, my, my mom so she can buy stuff for the kids. Like, it, yeah. is this the struggle that, that you hit? Absolutely. Because uh, with our dashboards, we have like, some of them only have three widgets. Some of them have eight in a big old data table and, you know, quick selections and filters and conditions. And all of that is all of that lives in the URL search params now. So yeah. you went and all of it's created um, in one transaction as well. So anytime you're navigating somewhere, you're taking all of the search parameters you have, they're all typed and safe and you're transforming them in some way into a new URL search parameter set. And then the link is being generated using that new set. So you, you know, in one transaction, you go from here's the URL I'm on to here's the URL I'm going to, you know, it's got this big old long search string after it, but it's uh, like, you can take that URL, just copy it, send it to somebody. They paste it in and they'll get exactly the same state that you would get if you were to click the link. So, yeah, which is having just talked for like the last 10 minutes about the complexity of it is such a simple action to get so much packed into just a single canonical URL to be able to always like, I think, I feel like in native work, like we, 
often work in like deep linking where it's like, oh, give me some stuff and then I'll, I'll parse it out, you know, but those are passed by like objects and stuff. And I feel like the web is inherently different in this idea of sharing deep seated parts of the app where it's like, you need to drop in at any point and come from either this direction or this direction or back this direction, like the, the yeah. direction, the, the geographical directional space. I, I think I, I often feel overwhelmed by, oh, I forgot this. Oh, I forgot that. Oh, this option, like coming back and yeah. forth and up and down. Yeah, it really starts to reveal how much we rely on like ephemeral application state that just kind of sits in memory. Um, so many apps do it. And now when I'm moving around the web, like I'll turn a filter on or go to a page or whatever. And if you just hit refresh on the page, you're, it's gone. You know, you lose all that state. It's really, really frustrating. Some of them will keep it sometimes and hopefully it's in the URL or sometimes it's like in local storage and you're like, well, now I can't get rid of it, you know? <laughs> so it, it's, it's a challenge. Um, it's one that I'm hoping to help solve a little bit with this. Yeah, I actually, I had that this morning. I was filling out a form. And it's like, drop in the drop in this uh, your document, and it's like we'll pre-populate it, and it totally hosed the thing. And I was like, well, I'll just use a different document. And it's like, nope. It's like I don't yeah. I don't have any concept of that previous document. You are stuck now with everything filled out, totally garbage. Like it like chewed right. up everything and just vomit. So I ended up like dumping the whole thing, logging out and logging back in just to get to the like, hey, would you like to use a document to populate this? Like I had to come all the way back out and like scrub it down. And I was just like, I don't, I don't do regular people do this? Do they even know like what's happening? Yeah, no, regular people, they just give up. It's like, <laughs> They're just like, yeah. I actually, that thought crossed my mind. It's like, I don't have the time for this, um, but it's like a, a, a kid's school activity that had to get done. So it was like, well, back in we go. Yeah, gotta do it. <laughs> so, you have teased a little bit recently about the tan stack starter. So we've gone from, from charts and tables and, and sort of solving your own, your own need, uh, and to routing and, and the dashboard, what is happening with this next evolution that, that what's the problem space that you have encountered that has required, uh, additional tooling, if it were. Yeah. A lot of it comes from, um, you know, it's been popularized by Remix and Next and, and a lot of other frameworks that, uh, and for me personally, Solid Start is obviously, it's called Tanstack Start because Solid Start is awesome. But this idea that you can kind of just run some server code, but without having to, you know, build out this massive API, right? The, the ability to kind of deploy server code right next to your your application, your front-end application, and execute some some logic there, return some caching headers, right? Just have an opportunity to run something on the server at the edge. Uh, even if it, you know, I, I'm not serving up my own API. Um, I have a whole backend team at Nozzle that does that for me, right? But there's certain things that they don't want to do and, and can't really do in a distributed way. But I could, if I had kind of this, this uh, this back end front end as a back end kind of a setup, right? So one of the things that we want to do is uh, actually recently I have wanted to build up a fuzzy search cache, um, a, a quick search cache using some of the popular libraries and build out the index for it um, in the cloud 
like at, at, at the edge distributed. So build out the index and then cache that index at the edge for all of our users. And then that way we can pull that index down and cache it at the CDN and the browser level and then load that index into the library to do quick searches. Yeah, um, I like and that, that a get, lot. That gets hard because we have some we have some indexes that would probably get into uh, I don't know, hopefully no bigger than like the 100 megabyte range, uh, hopefully less if it's gzipped. And this is stuff that only pertains to specific users. If we were to do it internally in our API, we would be shoving a bunch of stuff into Kubernetes and managing a distributed service where yeah. we just have that at the edge already with like Cloudflare or, or Vercel or something like that. Um, so that's something that I've wanted to do, but I can't do that right now because right now our app is just an SPA, right? There's no server aspect of it at all. So th that means that I would need something like Next or Remix um, to give me the ability to do that. And I've actually considered using those, right? And I, and I went down both of those paths recently, um, but I will I'll be the first to admit that I was just not ready to give up all of my type safe routing stuff. Yeah. Um, to do that properly, you know, you have to buy into the remix or the next router and their types are getting better. Um, but they're just not, they're not built for TypeScript. Um, and they're definitely not built for like these really big complex search parameter applications. I, there's no way that I could give that up. So yeah. I was kind of, at this crossroad, right? I either needed to consider giving myself this superpower, um, building my own thing, or, um, you know, I, I had the thought of possibly, well, maybe I could take the type route, like the typed router stuff that I've done and the search param stuff that I've done, and I could take it back to Next and Remix and, and yeah, sort say, of hey, pull it up upstream yeah, and say, hey, you know, I'll help you guys do this, I'll help you do that. Um, I, I reached out. And it, it doesn't doesn't seem like something they would be interested in right now. Um, I know in, in the past uh, they that not just them but many many routers out there that I've talked with in the past, they're just not interested in the search param, the advanced search param story because either they don't build applications that get that complex with search params or they just don't see it as a, a need, and that's fine. I have that need already, so I don't need to I don't need to validate that. And the type safety stuff, I don't think anybody can really argue with that. But to be honest, it requires it requires thought about types from the ground up. And it would most definitely require, like to get the level of type safety I'm getting in Tanstack Router, it would require rewrites for both like Next and Remix and Gatsby routers. So yeah, because these are I don't, I don't blame them. different approaches when you, I build a yeah. router and then I add type safety to it is a fundamentally different mental model than yeah. I build a type and then the router is a product of those type interactions, right? Yeah. Um, I've done stuff like Elm and PureScript and it's, it, it mentally, I had to like do this thing where it was like, okay, I have to build the model. Like I had a really hard time with it because it's like, I have, it made me build the model first and that my muscle doesn't do that. I like, I would like start with actions and then it would be super angry. Cause it's like, what are you going to yeah. put here? And I was like, I don't know, but this is what I need to do. And it's like, dude, you don't have anything to put here. And it's like, 
I'll get to that. And it's like, dude, you got to start with that. And it's like, right. Oh. So I had like some bicycle training, you know, some real training wheels happening there. Uh, so I can understand the the difference for that sort of bolting on or, or coming, coming back at it. Ooh, what have we got here? Like this is, I just wanted to like show this off for a second. So this is just the route file, like the, just the file to handle like route definitions and things that you can do with a route. And there's just so many types and generics going on here. So yeah. for our um, audience listening in, we are scrolling through <laughs> hundreds of lines of uh, T parent route types, all prams, ampersand T parent context. Let's just like, just take like a matrix wall of types pouring over two. you. <laughs> let's see that. What, how many generics do we have in here so far? We've got, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 14. So right now our route options, our route options type has 14 generics. Some of them Ooh. are kind of complex, um, but, but not too bad. And then all of those generics. So imagine 14 generic slots and they have to get passed around to everything. So they're going into the route component. We're sucking those generics up out of like, uh, out of options like loader and search param validation, parse params. And then ultimately there's, this is my favorite. There's a, there's an any route here I was gonna ask for you. interface, any route, and it extends route. And then we have 14 any's all in a row, right? This is, this, because... this might be, uh, I, I feel like maybe you're calling me out where this is how I write TypeScript where it's just like <laughs> route extends 14 mm, YOLOs. And I mean, this is necessary though, right? So this is basically to say, hey, we accept any route. And in this contract, we will accept any route. We're going to infer the type of the route, but it could be anything. And yeah. to do that properly, you do have to pass any 14 times for all of those. You really got to leave that door though. open and then sort of yeah. infer it down from there, right? Yeah. The actual route class uh, has, I think, one, two, three, four. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen generics. So, uh, the only other library that I've seen kind of get into this this area of complexity is TRPC for good reason. And TRPC is magical, right? Yeah. So, like this this is just a small illustration of what it takes to think type first. And this is just about, at the start, right? We haven't even we haven't even gone into any of the sort of like no transition or inference or or logical pieces for that right um this so let me ask you type. this like where like so we're looking at sort of the beginning of this sort of complexity what is the benefit like on your day-to-day -day dev like you're working on the dashboard you've got a feature open you've got filters and things happening um because oftentimes TypeScript will just vomit in my face uh, with some with these obtuse things that are like, man, this doesn't match this other thing. Um, and so I really <laughs> struggle with some of the error uh, messaging. How does this upfront work that you've done in, in type modeling for your router, how does that, uh, wh where's the payoff for you? Um, we'll have to describe it as me and you look at it. For those okay. who are listening. This, this, this makes for amazing but podcast work. This, yeah. So this, what we're looking at is a file for like uh, a route that displays an individual post, right? And at, at the top of this 
file, we have a loader. It's called post loader. And it's really just a, a small wrapper around a function that's just fetching you know, a post from, currently it's JSON placeholder API, right? We're just fetching a fake post from somewhere, but it could be anything. It could be an API. Okay. Um, and then down below, uh, we have the actual route definition where, you know, we've defined kind of the structure inside of our route hierarchy, its parent. We've defined the path. Uh, we have some context that we're getting for our route. Uh, we're specifying our loader, which tells our route how to wait until our data has arrived. And then there's finally the component where we're taking the data that we have fetched and putting it into some JSX to display, right? So I want, in fact, I want you, Jesse, look at this file and find, find as much TypeScript in this file as you can. I want you to, I want you to show me the places oh, wow. that there's TypeScript. So uh, line nine's got a string identifier, a string type yep. on it. And then that, and then params, nope, that's just destructuring. Okay, uh, we're looking at about 55 lines of, of everything you described, and I see one string identifier, like one string type, right. just one. There, there is technically one more part on line 15, but this is, this is a, this oh, is a yep. cast. Because, because our API is just a fetch call, it's not type safe. Yeah. Uh, we're casting it as a post type, like the type of the data that we're getting. But in, in a great scenario, like, like at Nozzle, all of our stuff is typed. We use uh, buff and gRPC. So all of our API stuff is typed. So ideally, yes, you would only have that one line on nine, line nine where we're saying, hey, when you fetch a post, you need to pass a post ID. It has to be a string. And, and that's just because we're proxying through that post ID into uh, the fetch call. So we just want to make sure it's a string. Yeah. Um, but that's the only line. So we've got 55 lines of code here for an entire route to fetch the data, pass it through, process it a little bit, and display it. And we had to write one line of TypeScript. Now, everything that I hover over in this example now, if you, you watch the tooltips that hover over on these types, they are exactly what you Yeah, they're all spot on. Yeah. There, there's no, the, the, the inference is, is right down to the loaders. I think my, my biggest shock is that the context understands what it, because usually context is fairly ambiguous. It's usually got, you know, uh, some yeah. params and some clients and requests and some queries, some other, you know, it's got whatever, you, you know, we, whatever we shove on context. So it's usually like, here's, what is yeah. this? Here's an interesting one. I'm hovered over the route context right now. Um, and we're seeing the route context that we have for uh, our parent and the entire router right here. So there's, there's two contexts above us, technically. There's the route above us, which is the index for the posts page. And you can actually see the posts loader. Not the individual post loader. The posts loader is in our context because we're, we put that in our context on the parent route. And we can see that here. Oh, wow. And then also we have the router context, which is the context for the entire router that we injected up at the top of our, of our router. So it, for dependency injection, we, we put in our loader client or for all intents and purposes, it could be anything. It could be a query client an Apollo client, a relay client, whatever. So 
all of the context is carrying down through the entire router and you get access through all of that. So, wow. okay. That is pretty slick. I think you might have, well, I, you definitely have made so far the most compelling case for TypeScript. I feel like I've ever seen is like, how much TypeScript do you see here? And yet it is all helping, uh, and insinue in, in, uh, inferring the, the bits and pieces that context is coming down from. That's fantastic. Yeah, I feel like this is something that you just don't see in the wild very much. I, I mean, worst case scenario, you're working with JavaScript and it's terrible. The next best case scenario is you've got a library that has types, but those types are just really shallow and they don't, they don't really know a whole lot about your data. They might have the right properties on them. A right? general shape. Static properties and shapes and things, yes. Um, but then, and then after that, you'll have, a, you know, the next level up is a library that has really good generics and that can understand the types that you are feeding it and build upon those. And I think that's kind of where a lot of us have been you know, over the last couple of years. We're like, that's kind of the goal. Um, this is really where I want to take things next, where not only do we have all of the, all of those other things. But now you don't even need to specify, you know, what those generics are basically going for full inference on all of your types. The only, you know, there should only be a very, very few places where you have to manually specify a type. And honestly, wherever you do that, it should be getting checked on both sides, both on input and output. If it either, if either it, it's going to be accepted where you're sending it, you know, or if you've got conflicts of what you're what you're calling it with, like that yeah. post ID where it's a string, you know, that that's going into a fetch, into a into a fetch call with a string. So it it kind of needs to be a string or a number, and that's fine. Um, but if if we were calling a typed API and it wasn't the right type, I mean, it, we'd see an error, right? And that's the whole point, is that you shouldn't have to write TypeScript really a whole lot of TypeScript. It should just work. And yeah, it takes I, a lot of work to get there. I feel like a lot of the frustration that I come across that I experience is in fighting those general shapes into submission into what I what I need rather than being sort of helped or guided by, you know, the sort of generics and, and exact shapes. Yeah. Um, and it's and I'd like to point out too that it's the same way throughout our entire app. We're not doing a whole lot of search parameters in this app, which is fine. Um, but basically everywhere we go, you don't see a whole lot of types. There we have one, we're exporting the post type, ID, title, body, you know, but that's because our API isn't typed. Um, even in our root, uh, like we're not, you know, we're, we're setting up a router context that says, hey, we're going to pass the loader client into our app. Um, but then we're expected to pass that later in the router. So um, yeah, it's just, it's really weird. You go and you go from writing JavaScript to writing TypeScript. And then if you get good enough at it or use the right libraries, then you end up just going back to writing JavaScript. It's really, it's interesting. It's, it's uh, that meme where we, we just get to galaxy mind. <laughs> yeah <laughs> right very, very slowly just working our way back to uh type safe yeah. javascript and actually what what i've been showing you is um 
kind of the the bare bones of Tansec start as well. I did. So, I did notice that at the top. I was like, "What? Uh, you seem to be." What I think one of the things that uh, really catches me when we look at your router is the explicit nature of, you know, rather than uh, route-based components, is is that it's a very explicit route that has like a parent component, a context, a component, a load, you know, a loader to it. Like, right? It's very explicit in the sort of shape that it takes. Uh, and then I saw the, you've got the, the server, the loader uh, the, and the server. How, so how does this all work together? You've got several routes yeah. and then the server just sits sort of under, walk me through this. I'll, I'll walk you through it a little bit. So the parts that we know about as of today. So let me walk you through the parts down here in the loader. So, or in the route. So in the route, we have a loader option, very much like remix or get server side props from next, right? Um, the difference here is that this loader does not execute on the server at all of basically most, if not all of what you see executes on the client or during, or isomorphically during SSR. So what this loader property is doing is, uh, we're taking, um, we're taking an asset, we're taking some asynchronous asset and we are waiting for it to be ready. And then. Uh, so we're actually, we're actually awaiting in this loader, uh, it's asynchronous. So we're telling our, our route to wait for that to load and, until it's done so we can render our component. The difference here is that there's no serialization boundary between loader and component. So in this case, I'm actually returning a hook <laughs> that's going to get used in our component um, to load up the data that we just waited for. You'll okay, notice here that, there's kind of is this that weird... Why I see loader, loader, uh, loader, yeah, loader called and then invoked. Yep. So we're we're grabbing use loader will give us back the function we created up here. Okay. And then we can call it again, and we're literally getting, uh, we're literally getting the loader instance that we that we passed right here, use instance. So it's it's a lazily invoked hook. Uh, we're dependency injecting our hook, which is really cool. Okay. Um. So everything that you've seen right here is still just client-side or isomorphic. There's really no server part of it at all right now. That comes in up here in the loader. And I want to point this out. So we kind of have a double naming problem here. I'm trying to figure out. But there's the loader in the route. And then there's this other library that you notice up at the top called React Loaders, at Tansec slash React Loaders. I want you to think of this as just a React query light. Okay. Okay. So it's it's not really it has really nothing to do with the router. It's designed to work well with it, but it's mostly just like a React query light. Right here, we're passing a max age of five hundred or five thousand. So it's gonna be it's gonna be stale after five seconds. We're gonna hold on to it and cache it, right, and do SWR yeah. style caching. But after five seconds, it's gonna become stale. And then we pass a function, um, and this function. If we took out this server, this would run on the client right here. Oh, just by the removal of the server yeah. dollar sign. Yep. So right now everything is running on the client where we would actually load this. Uh, this would run isomorphically. So this would run on the server and it would run on the client. But by adding back in this server dollar sign uh, wrapper around this function, um, we're creating an we're creating a server RPC, and this is super hot right now. Everybody's talking about it, right? Yep. In fact, there's been a lot of drama online 
about it already about who invented what, you know, and when, who had it first and it's, it's total garbage. But um, at the end of the day, every, every framework worth their salt is going to have something like this or already has it right. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's a way to RPC into the server from client side code uh, and execute some server code and then call back into the client and, and return the data. Right. And this is the way that we arrived at here because this might look familiar if you've ever seen uh, Solid Start. Yeah. Okay. That's. What I was like, I feel like this is similar to, but I can't. I couldn't put my mind on it. Yeah. Solid Start has this primitive and a few other primitives that we're going to be bringing to the table as well. But this, this essentially, this code that drove all of this lived in Solid Start for you know since Ryan Carniato and, and uh, um, Nikhil Saraf wrote it. Uh, Nikhil is actually the one behind a lot of this. And so I've been working closely with him and Ryan to extract this code out into a framework agnostic utility that you could technically say, oh, I really like that server dollar sign functionality. I want that in my framework. And so you can just import it. And as long as you're using Vite, it will work. Um, Excellent. So this this dollar this server dollar sign is actually being imported from uh, at tanstack slash bling slash server. Okay. And that that might change that import and everything might change where it comes from. But for now, it's a separate repo. It's just called bling, is the name that we've given it because of all the dollar signs that you're probably going to see. Nice. Uh, but essentially, the the idea behind bling is that you know. It, it kind of takes me back to the question of why, you know, I asked a lot of people over the last few months. It's like, what is a framework? I, everybody kept asking me, are you building a framework? I'm like, what do you mean? What is a framework? You know? And everybody had different answers. Well, it's the router. Well, it's, you know, S, it's SSR. It's uh, hydration. It's, you know, all these different things. And it's like, yes, it's all of those things. But why do we have to think about all those things in such a monolithic way? Right. So after talking with Ryan Carniato about it a lot, we kind of arrived at, you know, there's just really a few pieces to having a framework that need to, that need to be there. You need a good router. Yep. And then you need, um, you need to have a great deployment story so that you can deploy uh, server run or isomorphic apps. Right. Yep. And then you need to have a good story around, the RPC and the, the code separation. Otherwise you're back to, you know, some files only run on the server. Some files only run on the client, which is actually really similar to like react server components. They've chosen to go with the use client and use server. Right. Yeah. Um, and right now, at least me and Ryan Carniato believe that that's a, that's a great course abstraction, but we want more, we want something a little more fine grained which is why we're doing server, right? This, this isn't file-based and it's not export-based like Remix. Um, and Next.js is pretty much file-based now with their new file-based router. Yeah, this, this, is, this is scope-based, right? This is token-based where we're wrapping certain things up inside of your code and then creating new virtual modules and extracting that out into, into their own interfaces. So... We believe it's really valuable. And so we've decided to pull this bling code out into its own repo. And so solid start 
is going to use the same code that tanstackstart is using to accomplish all of this. It's all going to be using just bling. Wow. Okay. So we've got the sort of modularization. So if I uh, npm run build the npm run to build and deploy, um, currently Tanstack Bling has this sort of server wrapper. So I can uh, looking at sort of the the page that we've described with the post and the loader and the, and the get context uh, that renders this function for my mental model, I can say that this function is going to always run server side yep. as it is now. And it will be, and I'm looking at, I really like the, the your, your uh, query light uh, because I see max age, I see a function, I see on validate, yeah. I assume that like now my head says I could, I assume I could put on success in here yep. and do like a sort of a server query function that my, that, and then just tie that to the loader in my, in this route. Is that, do I have yeah. the right sort of yeah, construct? The, the, uh, yes, you do. The, the idea is that the route, the route and the loader they're they're just an implement they're just a means to an end an implementation detail they don't describe where the code runs they just describe when it runs um they and so i want you to imagine instead of seeing new loader with max age 500 just swap that out for use query from react query and in your use query function you just call out into a server dollar sign so you okay. say hey use use query but my query function is a server function. So it's going to RPC out, run some code on the server to grab whatever you want, bring it back, you know, across the wire, return it to your use query function, and now you're good. Okay. And really, as long as as long as whatever library you want to use supports some form of data persistence and hydration, then you can use it with Tanstack router. That's the interesting part too, I think, is that Tanstack router doesn't really store any of your data, your loader data. I mean, it does store data that pertains to your route. So it stores your search params. Yeah, anything sort of query, on the context, you know. right? Yeah, anything related to actual routing, it stores. But like the, the loader data, you'll notice that none of, the, none of the data or anything we're returning in our loader is being stored in the router. In fact, we don't even need to dehydrate and hydrate the router state at all when we're doing SSR. The state that we have to dehydrate and hydrate is where our data lives. So in this case, React loaders, or it'll be Tanstat query or you know Apollo or Urkel or something like that. So yeah, it, it decouples the data from the router in a really good way. Okay. Wow. Like just and, let it sort of like yeah. wash over me and, and, and trying to trying to, to sort of take it all in. Uh and and you know this server this server dollar sign marker, that that's really just the beginning. There's a lot of other ones. Um like solid start has the idea of uh islands, right? So there's going to be an island dollar sign that does exist, I think, in Solid Start. Maybe I'm wrong. 
There's going to be an island dollar sign. There's also going to be a client dollar sign, which is interesting. It's not for RPCs, but it's a way to explicitly tell the compiler that this code should never run on the server. It only runs on the client. So it's kind of the reverse. Okay. You can't call from the server into the client. So it just kind of is there, right? Yeah. Um, and then a new one that I'm working on right now, which is going to be a really, a really fun one, I think. So if you look at this route um, that we have here, this page, if, if we had like a really expensive UI component, in it, like in our, in our post component, that's like displaying it, right? Mm -hmm. Let's say we were like popping in AG grid, which is huge. Big. Love AG grid. <laughs> I love, I love, yeah. love AG grid. Um, and I have my own table library. We kind of work together on a lot of fun stuff, but shout out to AG grid. But if you wanted to load AG grid inside of this component, it's like, whoa, you want to code split that, right? Well, the way you would have to do that right now is you'd have to rip your component function out into another file. Yep. And then do your little import lazy magic, yep. right? To do that. I'm thinking like, yeah, next dynamic import load right. on yada, yada, yada. And instead of doing that, uh, you're really going to just be able to do this, right? Split dollar sign. Wrap your function up in it. And then you can actually do your, your React lazy import right here you don't even need to wrap it you can just do lazy like that something like that so because because bling has this unique opportunity moment to kind of sift through your code and make changes to it on the fly with feet um we we have the opportunity to do a lot of other things as well and basically module bundle splitting is possible in the same file under the same under the same uh, mechanics, the same technological mechanics that we have. So instead of creating a server function that we rip it out on the client, but we leave it on the server, in this case, split would just rip it out into a new virtual module and return an, an asynchronous import to that virtual module inside of the code that we had it. For you, so, instead of us writing that you. breakout file that yes. takes like the the sort of boilerplate dance that is like okay, lazy, dynamically right. import this when this component loads and exactly. And this or is happening you... on build time on, build. on compile. Yeah. So we, when we build and compile, compile. it's going to come through and and during like tokenization, I assume grab hit split and be like, hey, I'm supposed to do. Yep. It's going to say, I, I, the, whatever's inside of this split function, we're going to extract it out and put it into a new virtual file, right? Tell, it's a new virtual file for Vite. And we're going to put everything in there for that function. And then we're going to scan the rest of the old file for any of the uh, dependencies that it relied on. So in this case, it would be like uh, use loader, right? Wouldn't need yep. to come over. Um, and... I think that's it because there's no other dependencies in here. But if there were any other dependencies or imports you were relying on, it would also include those and bring them over into the other file as well and then remove them from this file if they're no longer used. So it's literally just kind of doing, uh, I know there's a library out there called this, but like mitosis, right? It's just like ripping apart your module very in a very granular way 
saying, here's the function we need to be over here and here's everything else. Grab their dependencies that it needs, you know, remove the ones that are no longer needed. And then you end up with these two separate files. So yeah. that, that's the it, idea behind it. You know, it never occurred to me that the, the sort of uh, ceremonial dance where I pull, where I create that new component and then dynamically, lazily import that stuff and then come back and do, it never occurred to me in my head that I was doing it because the build compiler step doesn't know about it. There's no signal, there's no flag, there's no marker, there's no, it, it, it just, I just assumed that in the parsing that it was like, oh, like it, it just had, it just had to be over here because of the way it would, and it did, it never occurred to me that, that, that yeah, it had to be that way because you, ne you couldn't, nobody ever told the compiler, like you gotta tell it that, hey, right here, do that thing for me. Uh, and I am exactly. always a huge fan of, of making the compiler do as much of this mental acrobat work for me. Uh, like I, I know what needs to happen, but I taking the seven steps to pull this out. Like I've spent, I think I lost like half a day once doing a dynamic import because I could, I would like pull it out. And then when it would load, it wasn't there. And I was like, cause I didn't do the ceremony correctly. Right. right? I was doing the import yeah. in, incorrectly. So I lost like a half a day and I was super frustrated. And then of course, like every good dev story, the next morning it just worked magically. You right. Know? And uh, it, I think this pattern the, you know, the idea behind these tokens, it's, it's something that's actually, so it's become normalized and like solid. Right. And we can, we can see this taken to an extreme with like a framework, like quick, where it's just built into the framework that everywhere you use the dollar sign, it's doing kind of this really granular code splitting and, and for resumability and stuff. But what I think is really interesting is the difference between frameworks like next and remix where they're they're working off of convention for for automatic code splitting they're doing all of this for you as well they're splitting your components uh they're splitting everything that they know they can right yeah true shaking out the the dead stuff yeah. and doing you know all that work but the difference is that you can only really you know you only get that automatic code splitting in those those places of convention yeah. with a tool like this okay, yes, I have to remember to put the server dollar sign around the things that I want to run on the server. So it's more of an opt-in. But with that opt-in, you get the ability to now server split on anywhere you want. And yeah, you can it's, code it's very, split anywhere uh, that you want, right? Uh, what, what did you use the word? Granular. You were like, it's yeah. a very granular, granular sort of, you know, whereas when I sit in Next or Remix, like it's very much like, uh, you know, not not cookie cutter is not the right word I want, but it's very uh, cow path, right? There's there's distinct lines that you yes. sort of follow. Happy path. It's yeah. It's great. It's good, mm. but it's coarse, right? Yeah. Uh, C O A R S E, right? You have to follow the very you know the instructions the right way. Um, pros and cons to both of them, but from from where I'm coming from, and especially I think Ryan Carniato sides with me on this too, is that. I like to think about things from the most advanced use case and the most granular use cases that you'll have primitives that will be used, you know, at the lowest level um, uh, of composition and then work up from there. There's really nothing saying that we couldn't add a little extra compilation step to, you know, to our own CLI or something like that, our own V plugin that looks for components 
in your routes and just automatically wraps them with a server dollar sign, right? Yeah. Or, or looks for loaders and automatically wraps things with servers. So I think it's a really, it's a really promising pattern. I'm really excited about it. And it's kind of going back high level again. That's really, that's really a bulk of the framework is right there. There's only one piece that we didn't talk about was the deployment. Oh um, yeah. Which and we, we marked as one of like the important parts. Right. I don't, I don't know if you've been following along at all, but um, that is definitely something that I do not want to write. Uh, I following can't tell you that? the deployment, like the oh. deployment strategy and the deployment code. I, I look at, I look at frameworks at like, like what, let's look at next Gatsby and remix some of the most popular frameworks out there and, and solid really any framework right now. Um, all of them are doing the same exact work. They're yeah. all maintaining like 19 all, adapters. Yeah. They're all maintaining adapters for all of these, of these uh, deployment strategies. And anytime one of them changes, they all have to upgrade. They're all doing it kind of in a different way. And yeah. I just think that's bogus. And on top of that, we're not just talking about the deployment strategy, but we're also talking about the server environment, right? All of them have a goal of being, you know, cloud native server friendly, right? So to the ability to run at the edge in a really lightweight uh, V8 instance or whatever, Cloudflare V8 instance, I don't know what they're running, but they all have that same goal. They all have that same deployment strategy and they all have implemented their own server environment um, packagers and, yep. and server environment runtimes kind of, uh, and then they all have their own deployment strategy. It's not something I wanted to write. It's honestly one of the biggest reasons why I just didn't make a framework over yeah. the last few years anyway, because I'm like, I, that just seems stupid. I, I would have more quickly written uh, my like written my framework to take Next.js and just rip everything out and just put back in what I wanted so that I could just use kind of the deployment story. Um, but it was about, it was probably about a month ago, a couple of weeks ago that I was talking with Ryan Carniato and, um, and Fred from Astro. And Fred deserves to be on here just as much as Ryan does. But um, we were talking about this and Fred's like, well, we do the same thing at Astro. We have all the deployment all adapters. adapters and, yeah. We have our own server runtime, you know. But something that is unique and awesome about Astro is that it doesn't have any opinions about meta framework. It is a framework in and of itself, right? They have Astro files and stuff. But but they stay very hands-off. They're like, you can use whatever you want. You want to use Vue, you want to use React, Solid, whatever. And that's kind of what drove us to start talking about, well, what, what could a world look like where Solid Start was just built on top of Astro? And I was like, whoa, if you could build Solid Start on top of Astro, then that means I could build my own framework on top of Astro too. And so we would be consolidating our efforts and saying, we're going to use Astro for the things that it's amazing at. It's an amazing build tool. It has great content strategy, content generation stuff that just came out. It has yeah, a the formatter. It, yeah. Although well, as soon as you start putting your JavaScript in an YAML file, I'm going to start giving you the side eye. <laughs> right. Uh, it also, but it has all the deployment strategies just baked in. Same as everybody else, right? Yep. Except for that it's all unopinionated. It just says, we're going to run your JavaScript wherever you want to go. It's, it's yeah. not, we're going to run your React 
you know, or we're going to run your solid or whatever. It's just, just JavaScript. And that was the, that was the key. So we, we decided me and Ryan decided we were going to start working with the Astro team to see if this was possible. And this example that I was just showing you today was um, built on Astro. So Astro is the deployment, the build, and the server runtime environment. Oh, and then every everything after that is just is is just tan stack router and blink. Um, in fact, I, actually, I should probably I can show you too. I don't know if you're actually going to share uh, if you're going to do the video. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. For those for those who can see, um, if we come up to this Astro application, uh, we have an Astro configuration file here. And all we're doing here is just importing the start, the Tanstack start um, Astro integration, and we add that in. And then uh, over here in our Astro pages file, we have a hello.astro, which is just like a normal Astro HTML page. So you can have your marketing site if you want, right? Yeah. Like your actual Astro content and islands and all that. Or you could serve up view if you wanted, I don't know. Um, but then over here in this catch-all route, or it could be just like in an admin route or whatever, you, you can mount Tanstack start at a specific route handler in Astro. What? So right here we, we say we grab the request handler out of our server entry for our application, and we export it as all under this, uh, under this API route for Astro. And that's going to let us control all of the request response lifecycle. So and that, that just build and, that, and run that Astro will handler. just send. Okay, there yeah. it is. I was going to say, I was At, like, does that Astro, just send all of your things? Yeah. Right Astro there? picks up. It's like, oh, we're routing to this app.ts file. And then there's a, there's this handler here. So Astro just hands it off and says, here you go. Here you go. And then from there, we have our own request handler where we pass in, you know, hey, here's how to create our router. And if we look at our router, it's got, you know, our loader Root. client. So how we dehydrate router. and hydrate. Yeah. It's got wrapping providers. We're registering types. And then there's our route tree with all of our routes right there. And then our entry client just looks like this. We import the start client. We create our router. And then we render the start client. Wow. All so, just sitting on top of the Astro config. Yeah. Sp with the specific adapters to wherever you want to act, like wherever Astro adapts, you just sort of like do your thing, like cloud for yep. Vercel, Nellify, home, uh, VBox, wherever. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And, and as long as your, as long as your server code that you're running into your dollar, in your server dollar sign, as long as you're running that, uh, that code in a way that's going to work in your deploy, uh, destination, and it's going to work just fine. Uh, Tanner, I feel like you just melted. My mind <laughs> is like just sort of dripping out of my ears. Like I had talked with Ryan. We, I, we talked a uh, solid like a half a year, maybe last fall or even last summer. And the, we talked about adapters and the actual thrashing of like, and pain and like, like, I think he ranked it just above like email as an awful thing that is like mundane and awful yeah. and, and like has to be like 
constantly and it's so much effort and so many cycles and so much and you nobody everybody it's the same like there, there's no differentiator there's no benefit there's no sparkly new it's just dude it's just the adapter like it is just a dumb like a to yeah. b cable like there's there's nothing to it um but yeah we, yeah, we were both for, yeah <laughs> gateway we were both super frustrated uh with it i'm sure fred is, is equally as frustrated with the sort of constant uh cat and mouse chasing of adapters right because you've got all yeah. of these different deployments and it's like and it's always downstream work like you never know when it's coming it just sort of happens sporadically and in waves and and so yeah the idea to take astro and then put your solid you know solid js start and tan stack start right on top of it and get to this this is one of those those points of inflection where it's like i feel like you got straight to your business logic the part that you were concerned with on top of stuff that everyone else had sort of have worked to put together. And that sort of collaboration right. really moves the, the community forward, really stretches like the work, the speed, the, I mean, the things you've shown today, like for, for everyone listening on the show, you're going to go to YouTube slash this dot, and you're going to sit down and re-listen to me and Tanner and watch this, this thing. Cause you're listening to it and you're sort of putting it together in your mind and you're thinking like, oh, wow. Okay. I, I, I can like sort of see it. I can sort of put it together. You need to see it because this is really cool stuff that is, that is happening and the nuance. And when you see it, you're just gonna be like, what? <laughs> They, they really are, it's going to be, they are great primitives and we're just trying to share it, right? Astro is a fantastic tool and uh, so many good things come from Astro as well. Like, yes, they're handling the adapters, but it's not just that. They've got a wonderful story around content management yeah. now and it's just going to get better. And you have the ability to run, uh, to, to split and say, yeah, we just want a marketing site and then we want an app, right? Which we uh, all do that. have done a thousand times, right? Yeah. We have a marketing site and then we need app. Yeah. And, and Hey, you want to run uh Tansec start and solid start. You can do that in the same Astro app. Oh, did, did you just say micro framework or micro, micro front ends? Did you say micro front ends? <laughs> micro meta frameworks. Micro, micro. I think this, I think you just found the title of this episode is micro meta front ends. <laughs> <laughs> you can't you can't really run them side by side on the same page at least as of today but nor, in the same application yeah in the same application same astro app you could do that um because astro is a friend to all right and then the the one the other thing that i think is great is uh you know i know i know somebody out there is going to come and say well how can i create how do i create my api routes with uh with tanstack router and I'm gonna say you don't, because it's a it's a client side router. It's an application router, not a not a router for your data. You know, if you want to do that, then you should use TRPC. And guess what? Astro has API routes built right in. in. Oh. So if you want to if you want to build an API route, you can do it in Astro and consume it in your app. If you want to build it with TRPC, you can do that. Build a TRPC router shove it on a on a sub path on your astro installation and you know you're off and to the races you, you know what i think so, i don't think this gets enough credit that when you have put something together like the the router saying no is i feel just as valuable as saying yes or building something like the idea that's like if you want an api route this isn't it 
It's not like well, it's on a roadmap or you can bolt it in. Not yeah. the per- it's not purposed for it. It's not, it's not my responsibility uh, and, and happily, but it's not just enough to say no. It's, it's really like, it's as if you were doing networking in real life. You know, it's like, oh, hey, uh, do you do carpentry? You can't just say no, right? You say no, but I've got well, a friend. Yeah, I've, I know a guy who does it really well and I have a great relationship with him and I'm going to hook you up, right? So that's, that's the same attitude you want to get from your framework, from your tools is saying, I'm good at this one thing. I don't do these other things you want, but I work really well with the things that do that. And here's how to do that. So it's, it, you know, I, I believe that this goes all the way back to just like building tools that are single purpose and good at one thing. And, um, and also just working well with the entire ecosystem, you know, I I'm really excited about this and I hope, I hope it, it's obvious that we're not wrapping Astro. You know, I'm not creating 10 sec start CLI. Like <laughs> here, you're going to use Astro. If you want to use 10 sec start, you have to use Astro, uh, at least for now. Yeah. Um, and you're going to be using, you're going to be interacting with Blink. Like the primitives are right there in your face. Um, and I think that's just really, I hope it, I hope it changes the tone a little bit for what we've seen with meta frameworks as of late, you know, everybody seems to be ultra competitive against each other. And, uh, and, and I get it. There's businesses that have been built uh, on these meta frameworks and, and that's fine. But um, you know, this ultra competition can sometimes it's supposed to breed excellence, but it can also breed a lot of double work, right? Yeah. Just doing yeah. a lot of the same things it can breed a lot of overlap as well. And I think that's something that Ryan and I, Ryan Carniato and I, we don't, we don't have businesses that, you know, need to need these meta frameworks to survive. Uh, so we're just looking for the fastest path to, to getting stuff done. You yeah. Know? Which is sharing and community adaptability and inter- interoperability uh, and, yeah. and being able to stack knowledge together while the Astro people are doing amazing content work and, and build config that you can yeah. s- sort of work off of that sort of integrations uh, yeah. and, and interop config part. And I got to, I got to have another shout out to Nikhil Saraf because he, he has just done amazing work with bling. Uh, I know it's under the tan stack repo, but honestly it's, it's all his, like he's done so many good things with it. And um, you know, he's telling me the other day, he's like, I'm so excited about this because I've been using solid start but I have some React stuff and now I'm going to get to use, I get to use kind of the same primitives for my React stuff too. Now he, he's really excited about it. Yeah. That's, um, that's fantastic work, Nikhil. Really appreciate your, your time and effort and excitement in here. I really enjoy, like the, the, the change in conversation and community and stuff I think is really important. I think the, maybe the early phase of maybe we're coming out of phase one of, of meta, my, meta frameworks and into uh, joining forces and sort of, not reinventing the wheel and, and starting from scratch or, or being so locked into uh, if I pick a meta framework that then I have to like, you know, pick my deployment target. And like those two choices are, are stone cold, right? You don't, you don't go back on either one of those uh, once you've sort of got it configured and set up, it's a one way ticket. Um, yeah. And, and it's a pendulum that swings back and forth between, you know, having an ecosystem that is, 
you cobble it together yourself and you kind of, you, you use a lot of different tools that work well together. The pendulum swings from there to walled garden monolith systems for, built for productivity. It, it's always swinging back and forth. And, and, you know, usually it's, it's this, um, I think you hear it all the time. It's the bundling and unbundling of the ecosystem, right? Yep. And, and remix and next mm-hmm. and these big monolithic frameworks have been the bundling phase of saying, okay, we have great tech, let's bundle it to get productive. Um, but then new, new patterns, new technology, new, um, new libraries, new ways of thinking come around and you can't, it's, it's difficult to integrate those new ideas into a bundled solution. So we unbundle, right? And then we yep. upgrade so. things in their lane <laughs> And then ultimately we'll end up bundling back together again and unbundling. So it's just a constant, it's a constant journey. And at some point as a company, as a business owner who has an application that just needs to work, like at some point you need to say, okay, uh, here is this bundled version of whatever we have, or this really good story using the technology. And you kind of just have to commit and start using it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I Um, mean, I have these emotional uh, swings in, in a single day where in the morning I just need to be productive and I just need my tools out of the way and I want to move forward and things. And then after lunch, I want to explore and sort of, you know, have this conversation with you and sort of peel things apart and sort of get into the gritty things. I've got a particular problem that needs solving and I, and the solution isn't there. So like I mentally I'm, I'm battling this in my, this bundling unbundling emotionally on a, like a daily basis. So like, yeah, me too. Uh, I feel like it's inherent a, a lot to to uh, engineers and and people in our in our space in our community. Absolutely. Well, Tanner, thank you so much. This has been uh, an amazing uh, sort of insight into sort of your 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 tooling and how, your process and the sort of the lead up to from from tables to router to server. Uh, I think Bling is a is a apt name i love the the sort of uh dollar sign connotation with it uh takes me back to the late 90s um (laughs) i hope the new kids understand what what the bling is yeah jquery it was a thing you know yeah i i still think every time i see dollar signs i have this sort of like uh twitch where i'm like oh jquery i'm like oh okay yeah Yeah. like i need to to sort of watch like get over that sort of initial flinch um, cause it's popping up a lot and I, I really sort of enjoy that sort of throwback to it. Me too. Um, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for sharing with us openly about what you're working on and the, and, and the people that you're working on with it and, and, uh, giving them credit and helping the community out with all your tooling. I know I've benefited, uh, greatly from query, um, before and, and made my life a lot easier multiple times. So I appreciate oh, that good. effort. We it really, I has. think we have a new version of query coming out soon. Oh, nice. Uh, Dominic Dorfmeister has really been working hard on it. Yeah. And uh, I think he's going to have a, a couple other surprises coming with that, uh, with that new version. I'm really excited for him. He's putting a lot of work into it, but it, it's going to be fantastic. So Brilliant. get excited for that one. Early Christmas. Amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much uh, to everyone out there. This is not the end of the conversation. For those of you who uh, are listening, um, 
when you get to your computer, you're going to go to the YouTube and you're going to pull up the video and you're going to look at all the code that me and Tanner just talked you through. Uh, and you're going to be, and your mind's going to melt a little bit. So just be, just be, it's going to explode. It's really, really great stuff. Um, I want to thank this dot labs for, uh, the time and the space to do this and to Tanner, especially and, and nozzle his company to, to given him the time and the space to come on uh, and talk to me and the larger community as well. Any, any last words, Tanner? Yeah. If you're, if you are listening to this and you want to help, then come on over to the Tanstack discord. Uh, you can go to tanstack.com. There's a link up at the top for our discord, our discord group. But yeah, we, as you can tell, we're very open and just want to work with great people. So if you're one of those people, then come hang out with us. Uh, I know where I'm going directly after this. I'm going to head over there. You've piqued my interest, and now I'm going to sort of lurk in the Discord for a little while and, and see what's going on there because this is you, you, you've, you've got me, Tanner. I'm hooked. Do it. Totally. I'll be there. <laughs> all right. I'll see you over there. We'll see all of our, our audience members over there. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we'll talk to you later. See ya. This podcast is sponsored by this.labs, a framework agnostic consultancy that specializes in JavaScript. You can find them at this.co slash labs. That's T-H-I-S-D-O-T dot C-O slash labs. Cause we got a show for you.